Hello, hello, language lovers. Welcome back to Something to Say. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing great. Uh, I miss doing something to say. I have a lot to say, so it's awesome to be here. I can't wait to talk to you about language learning, answer the questions, and hopefully uh, something will come out, something great will come out from this talk today. Yeah, it's our fifth episode already, yeah? so it's, it's interesting. We started recently, it's already our fifth episode, and yeah, I'm very excited today. And I would like to know, like, how, how is your language journey going? Bro, uh, I have to say, man, it hasn't been the most active. I, I made a promise, actually, a long time ago that um, I never want to do, I never want to say stuff online, like, not even on Instagram, nor anywhere, like, that it's not true, right? So I want to be as honest as possible. So in order to, you know... Um, fulfill or to uh, yeah I forgot how to say this in English yeah to fulfill my promise I will say the truth and the truth is I haven't done a lot uh, for language learning the last few days or I would say even the last few weeks man I have been very slow just every now and then doing something for um, Serbian Russian and sometimes Japanese and uh, that is that doesn't work because, like, I remember I was watching uh, Luca Lampariello's video on how he does, how he learns um, his languages, like how how he does it, like how how is his routine like? And uh, he said that the weakest language should always start, like, should, should always be on top. Your weakest language should always be on top, and I completely agree with that because it's so easy to do like stuff in the languages that you already kind of know. Or that you already have like an intermediate kind of level in it. Uh, or even if you're not a beginner, but if you're like A2, you know. Um, so it's so easy to do something for them. Like, but like for the new ones, it's always a struggle. And uh, you have to fight a little bit. You have to fight it a little bit and put them on top. Uh, so that's why, like I'm being honest here, I, I can work. I can improve my, my routine right now, definitely. Uh, how about yourself? How are you, What are you doing for, for... You were learning Ukrainian, right? Belarusian? Yeah, I, I mean, now I'm still in this three months learning Belarusian. That this is something really uh, important. Uh, that that people use two words, Belarusian and Belarusian. Yeah, but Belarusian is often re connected to the free Belarus, so the the country free of Russian uh, oppression and and political uh, oppression. Let's say. And so that's why, I mean, many Belarusians say that actually the thing of white Russia is actually a mistranslation. And so uh, they are happy when you say Belarusian instead of Belarusian. I think for everyone who is listening, can be interesting. And yeah, nowadays I'm focusing like of three months trying to uh, learn Belarusian, which is very interesting. I gave an, an interview in Belarusian. I recorded a live in Belarusian with, um, uh, with a Belarusian girl. And it's really, really interesting. So, uh, yeah, also would like to thank the people from Euroradio that gave me the opportunity to, to be interviewed. Alina as well for the live. And I think I had never learned the language so quickly as I learned Belarusian. And I'm really enjoying this process because, like, I... I think I would never start learning two languages at the same time. And I would never start learning a language before reaching a communicative level in another one. I'm saying that because like with Belarusian, like this opportunity that I have now that I'm not only learning the language, I'm going to places where people speak the language, connecting with people. It's like I'm living a Belarusian life, you know, connecting with the community. So if I would be learning two languages, I wouldn't be able to do that. So the other languages, I, from time to time, I will talk with my friends. But it's not like active learning, like every day listening to, uh, to content, checking words, flashcards, and so on. So this is a completely different experience, and I really enjoy that. But I'm, it's like 
I'm I'm already going to the last month, so I will be uh, I will start learning Mandarin uh, in June. So yeah, the it, things will change. And as we were talking before, I was saying about Japanese. I don't have a lot of expectations about Chinese. I I will let it go slow. I will not make a challenge to try to learn in three months. I think I I just I want to enjoy the process as well. And I know that it's gonna be slower than it was for the previous languages. And how, how do you feel regarding Japanese? Yeah, I, I like uh, what you said about like not having too high expectations, and uh, and the fact that you did uh, that you're about to end the three month, um, you know, challenge that you were doing with uh, Belarusian, Belarusian this time I say it right. Uh, that's why actually because you had said that to me before, I was like thinking how do you say the right way, and I was like oh my god, since English is not my first language, I have to you know keep thinking. Um, but yeah. Um, so about the about Japanese, honestly, I like that you said uh, that you don't have high expectations for Chinese because like I feel like language learning is a marathon, but uh, if you do a bunch of sprints during that marathon, you know it's like running, really running a marathon. Like like for example, let's say you're running a marathon, right? And like uh, you see that you look at the time and you see that you like you're you're like very far behind, so you have to pick up the pace a little bit, you know. And then you slow down, you chill. Like I feel like this is perfect because whenever we are like a bit down, maybe it's something, uh, or if we're not doing too much, or if we feel like we could do more, like it's not like beating ourselves up. I'm saying as in, I could do more here. I could do better. You know, I'm not motivated. I'm not doing um, things right here. I could improve this. Uh, I think it's a good idea to do like a challenge or something that would be like kind of a sprint, right? Um, to get that immersion, to get, uh, you know, um, to shake things out a bit, you know, because sometimes you're doing always this, doing the same thing. So I think like, like those kind of sprints are great. And I think they should exist. I was also seeing uh, one guy talking about, a random guy I saw on the internet talking about, um, that, uh, in order to learn something or to, uh, achieve a goal, you need discipline, but, um, and you don't need motivation, stuff like that, right? But I like that the fact that he said that I agree with him that I think you could have both, right? Why like one must exclude the other? Like why do you have to just be disciplined or to just seek motivation all the time? Why not both? Why things can't be just like um, I know it's hard to do that. I'm not saying it's easy, but like um, you can you can still be consistent and um, have a lot of moments of fun or a lot of moments of motivation. I know, of course, you're not going to be 24-7 motivated, super energetic. That's not going to happen. But I think having those peak moments, always having them. Like, you know, every now and then you're going to have, like, those sprints or challenges or immersion or interactions. I think those kind of things really uh, is what keeps you going, right? Because, like, sometimes you just... Honestly, like, I don't know if it's like this if you for you or who is listening or for you, Eliseo, but, like, sometimes... Uh, it gets boring, right? Like sometimes I'm doing a chore. It's not that I'm saying language learning is boring. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are moments where I'm not super, you know, oh, yo, let's go, let's do this, you know? Sometimes I just, sometimes I feel down and I'm like learning this and I'm like, oh man, grammar. <laughs> you know? How do you feel about that, man? I mean, it's like before you said something really interesting about motivation. I think, this is like a very common topic about language learning, right? And when I interviewed Luca, Luca Lamparello, he said something really interesting that motivation is, uh, is the result of an action. So you do something, you see the result, and you get motivated to do more. And it's not like... <clears throat> motivation, uh, motivation is not what makes you do something. <clears throat> motivation is not what makes you do something. Motivation is what... Uh, what you get from doing something and I think if when you understand that you see that you know the discipline I think that the guy probably mean that when you do something you will see the results and then you get motivated to do more and that's why he says that you don't need motivation because it's automatic just after discipline yeah but the, the grammar thing for me is really interesting because it hasn't it hasn't been a, a while since I haven't learned any new grammar feature, something very different. Because the last languages I've been learning, Belarusian, Ukrainian, uh, Russian, Serbo-Croatian, they didn't have any very different uh, grammar feature. So for me, it was okay not to learn grammar. 
but I think with Chinese, I will need to have like a from time to time to check grammar. And I, I don't know. I, I still don't know how I will do that. I still, I'm still thinking about how I'm going to understand the structures. If I would just try to pay attention, try to uncode them slowly. Uh, but I, I actually, I, I have no idea. And how, how, how do you deal with grammar nowadays? Good question. Um, same for me with Serbian and Russian. Like I haven't done uh, a lot for grammar um, for those languages. But like for Japanese, man, I feel like honestly the approach of just like let's learn vocabulary and let's um, like first try and digest the language a little bit, right? Uh, honestly, didn't work for me. Like I feel like I need to um, understand more. And you know why it didn't work for me? Because I used to watch anime all the time. And I think that the feeling of uh, like trying and uh, consume content, even if it's like super basic, only expressing like super basic stuff. I don't like the feeling of doing that with Japanese and not understanding anything. Um, because... I used to do that all the time already with anime, right? I used to watch stuff in Japanese without understanding, and this feeling kind of kind of haunts me, haunts me, you know. I feel a little bit like I feel bad, so I feel like I need to learn at least a little bit of um, of the structure first of the language, and then you know focus on consuming more content as well, because it's such a different language, man. It's uh, it's different than. Anything I've done since, uh, I think when I started Serbian, I, I kind of felt that too. Uh, I felt that same feeling. Because when I was starting Serbian, Serbian was like my, my first Slavic language that I started learning. So I feel like I kind of felt that. Not in this, not so intense, like not so intense as Japanese, of course, but I kind of felt that. And now I feel like uh, that what I do for grammar is basically, um, these flashcards that I'm using in the game. Uh, and it, it's teaching, mainly it's teaching the alphabet, but also teaching words, right? So what's happening is I'm learning how to understand, uh, you know, the alphabets, but also how they sound and how the combinations sound in Japanese, like a combination of certain characters, and also uh, words. Right, so they give the translation and stuff like that. So basically what I'm doing is that, just figuring out uh, what combination of letters do, of characters do, and, um, and learning uh, a little bit about the structure as well, because it's, it's so, it shows where they are placed in a, in a sentence as well. So that's what I'm doing, just a bunch of uh, gaming flashcards, that's what the, the game is all about. Yeah, it's... I have a theory about grammar, actually. I'm not sure if I have ever told you that, but I, th I think that we only understand grammar when we already have examples. And I, I, once, when I started learning Polish, I tried to learn a little bit of the grammar, and it was really hard. I couldn't learn actually anything. And later, so I gave up on learning grammar. I was just learning, like, uh, memorizing phrases and so on. And after some time, I noticed that uh, I, after I had some examples and I, I checked some grammar, I could understand the grammar because I already have examples. And I said, oh, that's why this is because of this. That's why it happens. Now it makes sense. But when you learn a grammar without uh, learn grammar rules or check them and you do not have memorized uh, input, you don't have memorized examples of it. It doesn't make sense. It's just like roots. It's like l trying to learn the... I mean, I think no one learns the football rules before starting to play, right? And I think I think that's more or less what I what I feel about. Because actually the examples that I had is in, in Polish, there are four main uh, motion verbs. I mean, there are more than 20, but like four main ones that you use in the daily basis. And... I had seen them in different contexts, in different phrases that I memorized with flashcards. But I was a little bit unsure when I had to use them myself. But when I checked what each, which of them meaning, which one was like uh, frequent, which one was with uh, with transportation, and everything made sense. But if I would have to memorize both the words 
and the the the, the grammatical rule. I, it would be too much. I would not memorize. That's what I feel. I don't, I don't know how you you see grammar, but at least for Polish and the, the other Slavic languages, I tried it like that. I will memorize as as many things as I can, and then I can check grammar and the the things make can be can make sense. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that um, that makes total sense, and that's what I like to do as well. Um, I just felt that with Japanese, I was getting super discouraged of uh, you know just learning words. It's like you know, like I felt like I needed more to grasp a little bit more of the structure. Um, due to the fact, like I said, I was traumatized with just watching anime and not understanding anything. So that kind of I was I always used to watch subtitled. So I really want to figure out how it works so that in the next time that I do watch something or try and do something very basic, it doesn't have to be edited, I want to understand why it's happening. Right? I never felt that before. I never felt the need to understand why. <laughs> But now, now with Japanese, it's showing me that now I do. Now I want to understand uh, the structure first. I'm kind of changing my own rules of learning too. Um, But I think it's good because like it's also a learning experience, and uh, I really like the language. And hopefully, like I think by June I'll make my decision of continuing it or not. In June, um, but yeah, we'll see. Well, if you want to start learning Chinese together, June is the moment. We can, we can. <laughs> yeah, but actually, I, I will see with Chinese. I think it'll be the first time I will see if my the methods that I have been using they actually work for a non-Indo-European language. For a language that is so different, the grammar is so different. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. But obviously, I'm, I'm very excited to, to check if it works or not. But I wanted to ask you something. Uh, this year, I also decided to leave some languages behind. Uh, so I stopped learning Catalan. Uh, I stopped um, actively practicing Spanish, which means... I will not have like a language partner. I will not have a day to consume things in Spanish. If I have the opportunity to speak Spanish or to use, okay. But I will not do it actively. And also I left a little bit of Venetian behind, but more for because my, the teacher I had, he now he's busy. So we had uh, issues to schedule the, uh, the classes. So it got a little bit hard to uh, to get. He was a very good teacher. That was the person that I knew that had more knowledge about the Venetian language. And so I decided these languages are not priority in my life now. And I decided to focus in the languages that are more important. So I needed to improve my French because I use it at work. To keep my German good because I use it at work. And to improve my Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian and Polish because they are the languages that I use in the daily basis in Warsaw and Poland. So these languages are priorities. So I separate the languages I know in priorities. Which languages they I have to keep them good in this moment of my life? Which ones I want to, and which ones I can leave it a little bit behind? And I noticed that at least for Spanish, it's okay. Like, now I think I had I reached such a good level in Spanish in the past that I can not speak Spanish for months. If I will speak Spanish, it will still be good. Maybe one or other word I need to think a little bit more to, to say, but it's it's all right. But have you ever taken this decision of leaving a language behind, stop learning it, or say, I will stop for now, I will continue in the future? How do you deal with that? Because for me, it was not a right decision in the sense like, okay, I've been like learning my 13th language and leave three languages behind. Because also because I want to start looking more to Asia and different uh, cultures to f add one more language in the future, it's it can be a little bit painful. How how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, languages are like our babies, right? Like it's so hard to just let go. <laughs> I agree, a hundred percent. Actually, uh, I have to say something. I wouldn't. I said that Serbian was my first Slavic language. Because I don't consider what I did with Russian before studying. Because <laughs> like when I actually decided to start Russian, it was many years ago. And uh, it was before 2020. And uh, I remember that it was like a mess, right? I, was, I wasn't uh, doing the right thing. Like I wasn't 
um, getting enough immersion, getting enough, like, just learning new words. I wasn't, like, progressing, even in the beginning, like, honestly. It was just, like, uh, too much at the moment. So I actually dropped Russian, but it was really fast. I don't even consider it, because I think it was less than two weeks, and I, and I dropped it. Uh, I think I've also dropped German in the beginning for a while, but I came back to it. But like I kind of stopped it for a while to focus on other languages, to focus on French, Italian, and then I came back to German again. But like um, I, I definitely have done that before, and uh, I think it's always like making a decision is better than not making a decision, right? If you think that that like things are, um, I'm saying I'm talking about language learning, right? I don't want just to sound like a Life coach, life coach, or life coach or something. Uh, no, uh, about language learning. Okay, like if you have, like if you know you have to do it. Like if you know you have to stop, because like you're feeling super overwhelmed. It's not working. You have other responsibilities at the moment. I think it's okay to put it in the freezer or like, let's say I'm I'm not gonna learn it right now, but in the future schedule it when you're gonna come back to it. I think like uh, like dropping is totally fine. Like I used to think I used to be afraid of dropping. I used to have, I used to be scared about stopping, but I think like it's not giving up. It's more like prioritizing other stuff for a moment. Maybe in the future, when you have more time, you can actually dedicate to that language. You can come back to it. Um, and I think if you know it for sure in your in your gut, like I think you have to do it, right? I think not making a decision, just putting it uh, off, putting off stuff is not gonna it's not gonna help you at all. Yeah, totally. totally. Like I said, prioritizing, I think this is the, the thing. Knowing what, what you need in the moment, right? And also something that is really interesting, what you said that about the sprint during the marathon. Because, of okay, I do these challenges to reach usually from A0 to A2, B1. But I think we can do it any any moment. You can do a challenge to reach from B2 to C1, a challenge to try to reach... Uh, b1 to b2 or whatever and i think any kind of sprint that will concentrate in that language in a certain period of time i think it's valid is i think it's, it's very good uh, at least for me doing the challenges like living that the language uh one language at a time well my opinion were the language that i it's crazy that i learned ukrainian for three months and i stopped learning ukrainian after that and i still can have conversations in ukrainian almost no nine months later almost and because i think that these experiences that i had leaving ukraine for three months they were so remarkable for me that i memorized very well the words it's crazy right because like immersion it's just something else right it's not just like learning um it's not just like learning like we learn every single language i think Having those moments where you just dedicate for that language specifically really helps you out. I saw also like uh, Azrin, uh, Polyglot Azrin, I don't know if you know him from Canada. He was also talking about this, talking about um, how how important are those sprints. Like just, um, it can actually, it's funny because like Azrin uh, brought up something that really intrigued me. It's like a weekend. You can actually do like, very short sprints as well. Like you can, like you're learning the language. Let's say you're learning multiple languages, especially for learning multiple languages. And you say, I'm gonna do a sprint like this week. You can do that. Like it's fine. I think, um, especially if you completely like, if you don't have a lot of motivation, if you don't have, uh, if you feel like you're not uh, doing a lot for the language, I think doing those kind of sprints is, is very good. And uh, I think short sprints are also interesting. Yes, I, I, Fabrizio he likes to do that. Fabrizio and Lucas, but Lucas, I, he hadn't told me so many stories, but Fabrizio also from Language Boost, he had many stories like that. I think learning Latvian from, I think, midnight to 3 a.m. in the hotel, the polyglot gathering with someone, you know, like three hours intensively trying towards them to learn the most basic words and combine and have, having some interactions. Or once he asked me, like, okay, you can stay here in the hotel, like, uh, uh, later, and we'll try to learn Venetian in three hours, and said, crazy i will not stay like that i mean i i think i i didn't reach that level of craziness but for me it's really nice that you can have a sprint of three hours and 
Yeah, for, for me, uh, Fabrizio is like a very underrated polyglot. He's uh, he has some crazy. He's very creative uh, about many things, and I think he doesn't just doesn't show it. But it's it's really interesting uh, the methods he has. Every interview I have with him is a masterclass, and and this print, as I said, can be done in three hours maybe. I have never done that, but why not? They also have, I think, a, I don't know if they made a video, but once they try to learn the Korean alphabet in one hour or something like that in a restaurant, you know, like this, these challenges, which is, it's cool. It's super cool, super fun. And I, like, have you seen the video where, um, uh, I think it was Luca, right? I think Luca Lampariello was there. Uh, Alex Rowling. Um, Alex Rowling or Rollins? Is it Rollins? Alex Rowling, okay. Um, yeah, there, him, he was there. Sorry, Alex, for butchering your last name. Uh, <laughs> it was him, um, Luca Lampariello, I think. Um, who else was there? Oh, someone else. I can't remember now. Oh, I think the, the twins. Remember the twins from Babel? Um, I'm not sure if both of them were there. But uh, yeah, they had like this experiment. I don't know if you saw this video, by the way, where they tried to... To learn a language really fast, like in, they just—it's—it's it's really cool. I'm gonna send you the link later because it's very interesting. They were in a situation. It was many years ago, where they had to to uh, learn the language as fast as they could, but it was like uh, from scratch, right? So I think I, I can't remember well, but I think for Luca it was Romanian. So that's like easy peasy for him. <laughs> it was Romanian for him? I'm not okay. I'm not trying to, you know. No, undermine the... No, of course not. I think any language would be... Luca would do amazing. But actually, especially because he's Italian, I feel like Romanian is a great um, language to start from scratch. Uh, so, like, I think for him it was Romanian. For Alex, I can't remember what was which one was for Alex. But they had different languages, and they had to learn them from scratch. And they had native speakers there. They would try and teach the language, like, like Fabrizio did, kind of. The sprint thing. And they would try to learn as many words as they could. I think it was one hour, two hours. I can't remember. And then try to say, to have a conversation. Try and say stuff. And bro, it's amazing. It's incredible. Like, um, I, I, I don't think I can do it this quick. Like, they, they really have a lot of experience with it. They, um, they ask the right questions, right? They know how they tick too. Of course, uh, I think I know how I tick, but I'm still figuring out, right? Like I know so much. I only know so much about my how I'm wired, and I think that this level of understanding I haven't reached yet, you know, because they've been doing it for longer than me. And I feel like um, if they they ask the right questions, this this is cool about method too, like knowing how you learn, but very deeply, like when like. What makes you feel unmotivated or what makes you feel discouraged or what makes you feel hyped and that you want to learn more or what is your weakness, right? And what's your strengths? What do you think about that, Elie? Yeah, I also, I also think that we need to understand ourselves, right? And to know what, to match what we like to what we, uh, to, to our language, uh, our language learning. Because there is like something, you know that I really love rap. So I listen to rap in other languages. And then I have like a funny conversation with Davide once. He was like, why don't you learn Latin? I said, there is no rap in Latin. I mean, of course, it's a joke. There's no, uh, it's true. There is no rap in Latin. <laughs> if there is, please someone send me. But the thing about that is uh, I try to connect the things I like to the languages I speak. So the the languages they have the countries they have like a very good rap scene that I really like there I listen to music and I listen to interview with the interviews with the artists I I'm very connected with that it motivates me and not only with rap but you know for example I have uh, I'm vegan so I follow some uh, channels with vegan recipes in the languages and you know in German there are there are many in Italian there are some but if, for example in Croatian, it's a little bit hard, if you know what I mean. So, th these things are uh, also like help me to to find interesting content in the languages that yeah that that you learn. And sometimes the things you like, they are just not often spoken by uh, native uh, native speakers. Yeah. 
So if you are interested in the same things that most of the native speakers are, it's easier to connect. If you like basketball, it's easier to talk with someone from the US or with a Lithuanian, with a Filipino, you know, or if you're a Chinese person. If you like football as well, connects with a lot. So I think it also helps to know what you what you like. And because I started learning how to talk about these things I like right in the beginning. And for me, it's more important to talk in the beginning about uh, vegan food, rap, or, you know, comedy, than to talk about astrology, you know. So I think, yes, to, to know what you like, uh, what you don't like. Also, I, I'm, I'm a person that I'm, I don't like reading very much. I prefer listening. So I really like listening to stuff. I have a podcast, you know, like, and I, I, I like this... Uh, audiobooks and these things so languages that they do not have a lot of um, like listening con uh, content audio content they also it's, it gets a little bit harder for me and yeah so I, I, this is the thing i try to to match this uh how i uh the, the languages that i learn with the contents i like try to find them in, in the languages uh, but still, as I said, I think there is still a lot to discover about how I learn, about how what motivates me, what doesn't motivate me. I, I love that to interact with people. I mean, to have this experience, like I was saying, go. I will go to a Belarusian bar. I will go to a Ukrainian restaurant, and I love these experiences. You know, like to to use the language, learn about a culture, talk with native speakers, and. Yeah, today I was talking with my friend, and she was saying that in some cultures, people they are just not impressed that you speak the language it's just okay and they will not make anything different you know that for you because you spoke their language and i think for people who learn it can be very demotivating and so it's also something that we should pay attention if you get easily demotivated by these things but how about you do you know what motivates you and what demotivates you when you are learning a language before I talk about uh, what motivates me, I have to say, when you're talking about Latin rap, I couldn't take out the image from my head uh, of the Pope. Remember the, oh, the, yeah. the AI, that photo? <laughs> the image of, of the Pope with, with the drip? With drip? There is also uh, like an AI image of the Pope uh, doing a layup like in a basketball court with a Nike <laughs> shoes. Like they, I think they call even the Air Francis or something like that. So it's... Pope has drip. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> Pope has basketball skills as well. Oh yeah. Um, by the way, uh, this is nothing to offend any religion whatsoever. This is just something that came to my mind. Um, so you asked me what uh, motivates me, right? I'm learning. What motivates me is also similar to what you said. The human interaction, I think, is the biggest motivator. I always say this, actually. I don't say this quite often. I say this to people that I know that um, the moment where I really felt like, man, this is awesome. Like the, there's moments where you're like having like, a, especially in real life, right? You're having these moments where like, bro, this is so cool. If I could do this 24 hours a day, I would. And it was uh, in a uh, polyglot gathering, but it was like a local thing. Kind of a very local thing, and not not only polyglots, people who like just like learn learning other foreign languages, right? You don't have to speak like several languages. Just if you know two, you're, you're welcome. Um, so like I was in one of those local gatherings, polyglot gatherings, and bro, like I was having a blast. Like there were people from all over the world there, people from Spain, people from other parts of the world, people from Europe, people from South America, and it was really cool. And uh, I was like meeting new people and interacting with them in several languages. I even had a Barcelona shirt on, and uh, there was uh, people there. There were people there from Barcelona, so it was really, really cool, right? Um, and a very interesting moment where I felt like, bro, this is awesome. Like, this is great, you know. And I feel like that is definitely the biggest motivator for me as well, like human interaction, being able to use the language like in, with someone else, like socially, especially in person. I think because of course, online is also amazing. It's also great, but like I feel like when you're having um, real life interactions, I think that's just different. That hits different. Yeah, yes. to understand content, right? 
like when you listen to a song or to when you watch a movie and you are reading subtitles is different than when you can actually understand the, the language and the cultural references and for me this is is something it's completely different and it's like you just have an access to a different world world you know something that i that, that i can say that changed my life i learned from so many different cultures because of languages and yeah i think this is also what motivates me oh yeah the content part too is great like i love like also like discovering like you said unlocking new worlds yeah and we ha i have three questions here and i think they are not that easy to answer so the first question is what do you do when you are starting learning a new language the part two of the same question what's the process to reach the b1 level when you start learning the language here's the thing that's what i do and that's what i'm doing with japanese <laughs> so i don't want to be a hypocrite right and say something that i don't do like i said for japanese i'm trying something else because of what i mentioned before my anime trauma trauma uh, but uh, usually what i do is uh, i think i've mentioned here before in other episodes is uh but it's also always great to talk about it again so thank you for the question um i learned first some words that are like you know survival words that you have to know like for example how to say hi like when how to greet someone how to ask how they're doing how to talk about uh professions and hobbies how to say goodbye of course and uh, i think those are like things that i have to know and also very specific sentences which i it's very simple but dude like when i say this that this is important believe me knowing sentences like uh how do you say this in like how can i say this in like you have to know those you just have to know those like can you repeat please right like i know it sounds stupid but like it's very important that you that you master those like asking to repeat asking to speak slowly asking for how do i say this in right like or what does this mean in like those kind of sentences are very important um but also a little bit of i think a little bit of grammar as in what i mean by grammar here i mean like pronouns right like pronouns at least the pronouns i'd say i not say you right i think those um and also some most used verbs i'm still talking about vocabulary right most used verbs or like um how to talk in the present first right then how to talk in the past how to talk in the future at least some common knowledge about how to use one of those if there's many in the language you're learning so to sum it up uh basic words survival words survival sentences like i said before like the ones that you need to ask well how do you say this in or um the pronouns that's the grammar part most used verbs present past and future that's what i do for like the language that i that i started learning and uh, as for b1 i it's a different process i think um it's uh, different because now you're consuming content it's already like you already have some knowledge to start watching some stuff listening to some things and i think it's just a matter of uh learning more vocabulary breaking the bubble of like getting out of the bubble of just learning what's most used and start going a little bit deeper than that a little bit deeper right learning more vocabulary that's what i mean with expanding your vocabulary uh and a little more deeper on grammar too i feel like uh once you get to if you want to get to b1 there's a set of stuff that you need to know uh in grammar as well to get to that level so i feel like also like advancing grammar so studying a little bit more grammar is a great idea what do you think about that elise what do you do for starting and for to get to b1 i think first of all i think i agree what you said that the, a little bit of grammar every time you you are you are reaching different levels so the more you the the deeper like the highest the level the more you need grammar right I think that's why when we as a as native speakers we start learning grammar at school when we already can speak the language. But I think this is the moment that we need to correct more things, right? But I I, I also think it's very important. I think I already showed you. I have a doc a document like a good Google Doc with phrases. And the phrases are like the the ones you were telling me the, the first interactions. So I will have the greetings, I will have the uh you know thank you uh of course like simple answers that you, you can not say only yes or no but no thank you of course maybe 
this is like the first uh, level I have of uh, in the document. And the second, I start already with the questions. So the questions are already like the most common questions that people will ask you. Uh, what's your name? Where are you from? And uh, how long have you been living here? And I don't, I don't focus on grammar. Just try to memorize phrases. And I try to use these phrases with people. So when I use these phrases with people, I get different answers. And I learn from the answers. I remember I was learning the name of the countries in Russian like that. I knew how to say where are you from or how long have you been living here. And I was learning from the answers that people were getting. Was, they were giving me. Um, also, but as we were saying as well, I think it started changing the approach a bit. So in my opinion, oh, okay, you said about the frequent, uh, the frequency. I believe that there are two frequencies. Uh, frequency list. So there's the, the one of the language and the one that you use. Because for example, for me, I need to I need to know phrases like I'm vegan. I don't eat meat. Does it contain milk? Because like you know, uh, as also being like intolerant to to lactose, I need to know when I go to a restaurant. You know, these phrases is extremely important for me. And so, but they are not probably for you, I believe. And so knowing the your own answers, your own questions that are important for your frequency list. Oh, they also help. So it took a while for me to build this document. I was like, oh, this is important. Writing the document. This is important. Mm, I will use this often. So I was adding this document. Now I may I might have like 500 phrases. I separate them in levels. And I, I think I, I can, at least with many languages, it helped me to reach like a B, uh, a, a A2 level, I would say. If, with all the 500 phrases, I think I can reach even like a B1 level, if I go through all of them. And, and but as I agree with you, like B1, the, the, the approach should change. So you need more immersion, more input. Uh, I think that's also the, the importance of knowing the most used words to arrive to a B1 and understand a lot, right? So everything that you will consume, you will be more interesting. The 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 music the movies everything you'll be able to understand more and you it will motivate you to keep learning and watching and focusing on it so i think this is the goal when you arrive on on when you arrive to this level b1 is you need already to have a solid base with the frequency with frequent words and to to go to the next level and but then you will need more much more input than in the beginning much more. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think like what you said added perfectly to what I was saying about the. I like that you said you have two frequency lists. I love that, um, and it's so true. We all have our the stuff that we need to say that we say every time, right? Also, that um, by the way, uh, those who are listening, I think people are very interested in that. Uh, 500 words uh, documents <laughs> I think people listening must be like oh my god he has the 500 most used words no I have actually it's 500 phrases because I think this oh is also god. a very good tip for people when to in the beginning in the past I was learning words out of context but and then when I needed to use them myself especially if you learn a language which has cases it will not know how to declinate the, the word correctly so then I started to, I, that's why my documents are documents of phrases. So I don't learn grammar, but I memorize a structure. And then I will say like, mm, okay, so if I will say like, uh, pizza becomes pizza in this context, maybe the, the other word that finishes with A will also finish with U. And then you start recognizing the patterns because you already have this memorized example. So, but with phrases, not with words. I think if you memorize words, I think memorizing words, they can be good if you already have a very good level of the language and you need to learn like specific things. I remember like learning some things in Spanish and Italian in the past, like vegetables. So different like names of vegetables that um, they're not very frequent in the daily basis. So, you know, if I would need to use them, I would be able to use them there because i already have like a good level in the language but in the beginning you need context 
Oh, absolutely. I agree 100%. Also, to add on that, uh, what you said about knowing what you know, uh, knowing um, the stuff that you that you say often, I think it's also important to know, especially if you want to reach B1, I want to add on that, is that uh, noticing the mistakes that you make repetitively. Because we all have um, these kind of things that we struggle with. Usually for me, it's the same thing in different languages. <laughs> So, like, knowing about those mistakes that you are uh, usually making, I think uh, pointing those out and really, like Eliseo said, once you get better in the language, you're kind of fixing stuff. So, I think going and fixing the mistakes that you repetitively make is going to take you to the next level as well. I totally agree with you, yeah. Because I think even native speakers have that, right? These mistakes that we make all the time. And... We just don't notice. They are automatic, yeah? They become like a... We are used to, to say things in a way that sometimes they are not correct. So I think, yeah, this is... That's why I think it's important also the professional feedback. Not exactly like for a teacher, but can be a teacher that's a language partner, can be a language partner that really understands about languages. This The person that can tell you that, okay, you are making this mistake all the time and let's try to improve that you should instead of saying this you should say that i think if because when when you don't get the feedback you will never know that you are saying things wrongly and then it's hard to, to break the habit true true that makes sense i think talking to someone else would be a great idea definitely and the second question that we have here also want to know is uh, when to start consuming mat uh, materials or contents uh, made for native speakers in your tiger in your target language. What's this moment? Oh yeah, that's controversial, isn't it? I love the controversial controversial questions because uh, this is the place for it, right? Like we're speaking very freely here, um, based on of course experience, based on what we saw. Um, we're also using of course knowledge that we learned from other. Uh, polyglots but i think um yeah this one's very controversial i think if you get like five polyglots and you ask them the same question i think five five of them would answer something different <laughs> i feel like honestly for me um i'm a rule breaker like i break rules so like i think that um Whenever I like something a lot, I just watch it, whatever. Like, honestly, I'm watching Naruto. Man, I know, I know like, very little Japanese. But, like... <laughs> but I don't recommend that, okay? I'm not saying that you should do that, no. I think that the right time, if there's such thing, would be um, when you can understand, uh, like, at least 50 to 60%. My number is low, but, like, that's how I feel about it. If you understand at least, like, 50 to 60 Right? I don't even say 70. Like I say 50 to 60. But, um, yeah, but I, honestly, I don't know if there's a right time. And I know people say that, of course, you should understand. I know that, like, research and stuff like that. But I, I think the research also should take into account the, the fact that the person really wants to watch that thing, right? Like, if the person is like, if the person will do anything to actually understand what they're watching, honestly, I don't know if there's a right time for that person. I wouldn't say they should wait. Like honestly, but um, this is what I'm saying. Like, if you're gonna, if you wanna go play by the book, if you wanna go do things the like proper, <laughs> like quote unquote, uh, you should learn like at least above 60, right? But like honestly, I just say, um, if you really love it, try to break it down, break it up, like you know, break it down. You can watch native stuff if you do it right. Like if you do piece by piece, if you're a beginner, if you go piece by piece, you could watch like a scene. And try to, to decode that scene and try to really understand like the sentences. Really write stuff down, looking stuff up. Would be very active. But still, if you really want to watch it, don't you? So like repetition. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I th but I think there are two, two important things. One is like, if your language is similar to the, your target language, I think you, you can start from native, uh, like native content from, the, from day one. Like if you are Brazilian learning Spanish, Go for native content from day one. Because you already can understand more than 50%. And even if if their language is similar, but you don't understand. I don't know. I think sometimes I hear the Russians have issues understanding Ukrainian, for example, or Polish. 
I think you should also go for native content because you do understand probably because of pronunciation. But yeah, I believe that it's once you 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 get used to the sounds, you will start understanding much more. This is also something that I wanted that I forgot to add, to uh, to say regarding starting a language from from scratch. I something that I learned. I had recently an interview with Elisa from French Mornings. And she told me something that I have been thinking about a lot. And she said that uh, students should learn the, uh, the sounds in French before learning the language. Because many French students make very basic mistakes, even in advanced levels, because they didn't learn properly the sounds. And I think what she said was really interesting. I, I totally agree. And I think that if we learn the sounds in the beginning, it improves our comprehension in the language from in the beginning. So we will not create bad habits of mispronouncing things. And I think it, it will really help us to... Because I think what happens when you don't know very well the pronunciation, we will try to read. And if you speak, for example, Polish and you try to read, it, it, it works. But if you are like... Russian, it gets harder. So Danish, it will not be able to do that. And so I think it's also like learning the sounds to be able to listen more, notice the sounds, practice. Because I think some sounds you need more time to reproduce them, others less. So yeah, I think it's also like a very good tip when you're starting learning a language. But And also uh, complementing what you said regarding consuming uh, content for native speakers i feel that on one hand it's if you want to do this uh, if you are right with not understanding everything but because you you are interested in the content so you can have subtitles and so on i think it's fine but i also think that there is a very important role of deliberate practice this is just be just to be exposed because when you are exposed a lot to the language, like from different contexts, you recognize a lot the words that you see on your daily studies. And you see them in different contexts. You pay attention to the pronunciation. And sometimes it happens that you say, I know this word, but I don't remember from where I know this word. Probably for like one, one situation like that. I think both uh, learning like specific uh, learning from input, like for a short input, like active, as you said, like uh, checking out the words, translations, explanations, but also um, deliberate practice. Both are different exercises and they are really both really good and important. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I definitely agree with you. I think uh, what you said there is very important. You mentioned something about um, if the person doesn't mind not understanding and that really resonated with me because like, as long as you're not gonna get like discouraged and stop learning just because you're not understanding uh, a movie that you want to watch, right? Um, as long as you're gonna, as you're okay with not understanding at the beginning, I think you should definitely go for it, even though it's not by the book, like even though it's not like something people recommend you to do. I think, um, like like uh, we said before, everyone is different, so I think that um, you should try it out for yourself a little bit and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's also true. I think I agree with you. Like, you can you can try it and experience different methods and different things. You see what what fits, uh, what's good for you and what's not, what you like and what you don't. So it's yeah. Uh, so in the moment you are focusing in Japanese, and do you have a, a plans to start other languages in the in the future? Good question. Uh, like I said, in June I'm gonna kind of reevaluate or see what I'm going to do with Japanese, if I'm going to continue studying it until the end of the year or not. If I don't, this year I'll just, if I stop learning Japanese in June, I'm just going to keep learning Serbian, Russian, and give more focus to, to German as well. Um, but next year, man, if I, like, if I stop Japanese in June, I'll probably add another one next year. And that one... If I would follow, you know, my, my kind of my list, um, there would have to be like Arabic. But honestly, like what I'm probably gonna do instead of learning Arabic is 
I'm going back to Japanese if I stop on June of 2024. That's what's gonna happen. Um, because I, like I said, like, um, I, I, I just, I don't want to have like surface levels in, uh, in too many languages, right? It's okay to have, I think it's okay to, for me to have a level in some languages as long as they're not many, right? Like, I feel like I want to be like in just two tops. Like, I don't want to be like three, four, five languages, A1, A1, A2. It's not like something that I aspire to do. Not judging, like, if you like that, it's totally fine. Like, it's, it's amazing what people can do, like, with so many languages. And, um, but I really want for myself, I want to not have too many languages on A level because I really want to connect, um, and really, like I said, live the language, right? I want to really experience more. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. I think it's okay if you speak a little bit of the language, uh, but when you are able actually to have a conversation, it's, it's completely different. It's completely different. And I think that people are sometimes, depending on the context you are, people are used to people that knows a little bit one phrase or other in the, their language. But when you show, no, I can actually have the conversation. Same things we are talking, I can say in your language. Then I think that's the experience changes. Yesterday, I, I went to a, the, my friend's birthday party and I actually was talking about that, that my, my experience in Poland changed when I started to speak Polish. And I'm saying that because I noticed that even though even though many Poles speak very well uh, English, they still are, some of them, they probably they don't feel very comfortable, uh, 100% comfortable with English like they feel with their mother tongue. Because sometimes they don't have the opportunity to use them in the daily basis. So when I had opportunities to speak in, in Polish, some people that were not that funny, were very funny. They were making jokes. They were telling some other stories. They, the way of talking changed. So it was also different to, I think, when you speak the per- with the person in their own language, you have access to what the person truly is, while in, in a foreign language that the person doesn't have uh, such a good level or that is not confident about, uh, the person is a little bit limited. That's so true. And I want to ask you, I haven't asked, um, like, what language are you going to learn after Chinese? Like, what do you want to learn after Chinese? Well, I was actually talking to a friend today that probably I don't, I don't have plans to learn any Indo-European languages. I thought about learning another Germanic language because I speak only two. And maybe it would be cool to learn a Scandinavian language like Danish, Norwegian or Sweden. But I tried once learning Sweden for a week. But it was like really hard finding people to talk or I didn't know how to interact, like the, the, how to do this intercultural, yeah, intercultural communication. So I think I, everyone in Sweden speaks English already. They too, also right? speak English sometimes better than native speakers. So it's also challenging. <laughs> I interview uh, Will John, Goloremi, you know him, the football player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to watch all the videos. Yeah, he told me that when he was living, I think, in Sweden, like some people could speak English better than him. It was hard for him to, to learn. So, yeah. And so I think I would probably focus on a, a language that is not Indo-European, like Turkish or Korean or Japanese, maybe, or Vietnamese. There is a huge Vietnamese community in Warsaw. So also like in a language that I can use in the daily basis. And a, a lot of Turkish people, Turkish people are very friendly. So I think they get, might get very happy if you speak with them in their language. So I think I, I would I would be one of those. Uh, I want to explore different continents, uh, different continents, different cultures. So yeah, that, that's it. And you, do, do you, would you like one day to, to learn languages from, I don't know, from Africa or maybe a native Brazilian language? That's what I was going to say, man. It's funny. Like, it just read my mind. I was about to mention African languages. Because, like, they're on my list as well. I want to start learning Swahili. Um, I just haven't started Swahili yet. Because, like I said, I don't want to, to just um, get too many languages on the way. And uh, I know that if I started learning Swahili now, for example, I would just not dedicate uh, enough time to it um, on a regular basis. So, to avoid that, I don't want to start a language and stop it. So... Um, I definitely want to learn Swahili in the next, probably next two or three years. 
I'll probably start learning. Uh, definitely you want to learn Arabic. So like uh, some options there. Chinese as well, definitely. Why not? Uh, so those are the ones that uh, I want to, that are non-Indo-European that I want to learn. Yeah. And also today, like before I finish, I watched a video that I started to think a lot after watching that. It was the, the video with Xiaoma. He went to South America and he learned the language of a tribe. I didn't finish the video yet. I will finish later. But thinking that I'm South American. Uh, I, I don't speak any South American language. I My grandmother was Native American and uh, I don't speak any Brazilian language. And just the guy went there to the tribe to get to know the culture, interact and learn the language. And I think maybe we we also could try, this, even if it's to learn a, like A1, A2, just the basics to see a little bit. I think uh, that's something that maybe in the future I would try to do. Just to, to, to understand a little bit more the, the country where we live in. I mean, I don't live anymore, but was born and raised. And I think there are so many words from Guarani, Tupi, and other languages that we use in, the, in our daily basis in Brazil that we don't even notice. Or even in English, like, or in other languages, like Ananas or Jaguar are language words from these languages. So I would like to, to know more. Come in, just come in. I wanna, I wanna join in on that challenge. When you, whenever you start learning a South American language, um, I, I will, I will join you. I wanna learn a native language as well. Um, it is funny because if you keep saying other languages, I'll say, oh, I wanna learn that too. You know, because that's how we roll here. Yeah. And then we need to go back to the topic that from the beginning. What languages are you gonna leave behind, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. True. If you start ten. You're gonna definitely drop the eight or nine. Yeah, but at some recording episodes in different languages also sometimes give me this taste, like this this feeling. Okay, one day I reached this level. I I recorded an episode in my prime. It was good. I was able to speak like that, and that also a good feeling for me. Like even if I forgot the language, I remember the I remember the how hard the hard work I needed to put in to reach that level that I registered and it's there. So. Yeah, it's also something I like to do. I also like the challenges to record an episode. I will have an episode in Russian, for example. I have one month to prepare. I will focus on Russian, trying to to learn, to be prepared to to interview someone. So that's also something that I really that I really like. It motivates me because you know when I'm producing an episode, it's for I need to be a, a good host for the person I'm interviewing for the guest, but. I'm producing the content for uh, the audience and I want to give a good content, right? So it means that the interview has to be good. My my, lang my language level cannot be bad. So it needs to be comprehensible and it has to be interesting. So it also motivates me a lot to, to learn and make to, to try this print that we were talking in the beginning. Bro, you're doing a great job, man. I think you're doing great. And uh, um, also, I really like the fact that you know, you're a polyglot and you're interviewing, interviewing other polyglots and talking to people in the language learning community. And that's amazing, right? Like you're not just a random... I always say this, I actually said this before, but I really admire that, that you're not just a random guy who's starting a podcast just wanting to talk. Nothing wrong with that, right? Maybe it's fine that you, if someone starts a podcast and just asks questions, but it's even greater. It's even more amazing when someone um, is a polyglot, right? Like you know what questions to ask you um, you can talk to, uh, in different languages do, do the podcast in different languages so i think it's uh it's great man you should uh, i hope this lasts forever yeah, thank you man and also there is something really interesting that i'm trying to record episodes connecting different topics to language learning and i interviewed comedians that perform in different languages i recently interviewed a, a singer that sings in different languages so it Probably when this episode will be published, that uh, more or less in the same time, I will be publishing this episode in with the singer Marta, and I like that. I like to to see how people use different languages to do other things. But the the thing is, when I'm going to interview them, it's harder for me because their field is not my field, so I will ask very silly questions and. I, I'm trying to understand actually how they do that because even if I speak the languages for me to perform, to sing, to do something different in the language is completely different. 
and to use the languages for something more practical. So it's also challenging for me, and I always learn a lot from that. Oh, absolutely. I actually tried singing it in French. I actually did a cover of a song on my Instagram page, but it's really, really old, and hopefully no one finds it. I can't remember if I archived it or not. I can't remember. So yeah, people who will be listening, go to Sam's profile, try to find this. <laughs> Leave your like there, your comments there. <laughs> Please don't. You're going to be traumatized. Well, I think that's it for today, Sam. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very glad for our fifth episode. So one episode monthly. And also, I think it's we, we should talk about once something to say will be published in the last day of the month. And we'll be, we'll be publishing as well our new project. So LingoCast will be in a different language. And at least I'm, I'm very excited about it. So am I. I can't wait for us to, for us to upload that. Uh, I think... Uh, we had a, we talked about a, a lot of stuff, and it's really good to be able to talk about Brazil and to talk about our culture and other things in Portuguese. So make sure you check it out if you're learning Portuguese or if you're Brazilian listening to this, right? If you want to just uh, listen to uh, the two Brazilian guys talking about Brazil, different perspectives uh, as well. Because like I live here, Elisa doesn't live in Brazil, but he lived here and he was born here, so. It's really, really interesting, and uh, I'm sure people are going to love it. Yeah, if you speak Portuguese, if you're learning Portuguese, if you like Brazil, I think it's you will have fun, you will learn a lot, and for sure you will have a Brazilian experience with this new podcast. Absolutely, definitely. So if you like this episode, don't forget to follow us on social media and your favorite podcast platform. Leave your comments, and if you want to ask anything for our next something to say, just... Uh, send us a, a direct message or a comment in our post. You can find Sam's social media in the description of the, of the episode. Mine's as well and Lingocast. Thank you guys so much for listening and uh, keep learning. If you're going to drop the language that you're learning, come to back to it later. Disguise it. Come back to it. Don't give up. See you guys in the next one. We'll <laughs>